What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. My name is Alex Adams. I'm live here in Jakarta, Indonesia, covering Team Canada at the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Canada is obviously coming off a pretty tough and, and maybe heart-wrenching loss, you would say, uh, against Brazil. And I'm joined by just the, the face of Canada basketball or the voice of Canada basketball um, and the men's program in, in Dan Shulman. Obviously, people probably know him from uh, being the voice of the Blue Jays as well. Uh, thanks so much, Dan, for, for taking the time and doing this. I really appreciate it. You, you got it, Alex. How, how are things in Indonesia right now? It's it's been great, except until that loss uh, earlier right. today or or later. But no, it's been awesome, yeah. and uh, it's just been so cool to be around around the guys, to be around the organization as well. I've got to know people within. I've talked to Rowan Baird. I've talked to Mike Bartlett, the CEO, a little bit. Um, so it's just been cool to make connections and everything. And I'm sure you know them all from uh, being around uh, the organization as well. Um, and uh, uh, Jakarta is cool, but. Um, I also do miss home. Uh, so I wish uh, I wish it was here uh, at home, like in 1994 um, when, right. when you when you covered the team. But um, I just want to get started with you. Just I know you have um, I, you talked about it on my podcast behind the play, but I want you just to share a little bit about how much it means to you, just this program and maybe a little bit about the the, the stipulation in your contract about Canada <laughs> makes the Olympics. Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, so, so in 1994, like way uh, you might not even been born yet. Uh, you know, I did the the world championship of basketball, as it was then known, I believe, in Toronto. Leo Routens and I did it. And a young Steve Nash played a few minutes for Canada. Rick Fox was on Canada. They lost a heartbreaker to Greece, as I recall, and finished seventh. So uh, but then for many, many years, there wasn't really, you know, Canada basketball to do on TV. And my life took me in another direction, Blue Jays and then ESPN and all that. But I always kind of hoped that I'd be able to get involved again and and probably not as much. I don't want to put myself in the same class as, uh, you know, a lot of the the truly hardcore people, some of, soon, uh, some of whom I've seen on your podcast or I have followed on Twitter and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a very passionate group. But I always kind of kept in touch with the program and hoped for the best. And, uh, you know, since you asked about the stipulation of my contract, I always had this deal with ESPN when I was full time doing baseball all summer for them, that if Canada ever made if the Canadian men ever qualified for the Olympics in basketball and if a Canadian network ever asked me to do the games, ESPN would let me kind of mm-hmm. skip out three weeks and miss some uh, miss some baseball to do basketball um that never happened as you know uh at this point in my career I don't do um any any baseball for ESPN anymore I still do college mm-hmm. basketball all winter long which is how I you know came to know Corey Joseph or cover Corey Joseph and Jamal Murray and and Shea and Kelly Olynyk and and uh Dylan Brooks and a lot of the others but then, uh, you know, a great a great lucky break came to me when one of my then bosses at Sportsnet called me a couple of years ago and he said, hey, we're making a deal to do all the Canada, all the FIBA stuff, all the international basketball. It's not just going to be streaming anymore, uh, anymore. And I literally begged him on the phone. I said, please, 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 I please, we'll figure it out. I yeah. won't do it. And um, it's worked out. And, and I'm very lucky that 
I, the Blue Jays are for Sportsnet and Canada Basketball's for Sportsnet. So that's kind of an, you know, an easier sell. And the schedule was very mm-hmm. complicated the last week trying to get it done. But um, Sportsnet also has been wonderful to me. They let me do the Olympics a couple of years ago for CBC. When our women were there, of course, our men weren't. But I did both sides, men and women. And I'm hoping to do that again next year. But so that's a long answer to your short question. So I have always followed the program. And like you and so many other people, when we saw the training camp roster and knowing, you know, how much talent there is, um, this was very, very exciting. And games one, two, and three were very, very exciting. Game four was a little bit more troublesome. And they've now kind of backed themselves into a, a must-win situation against Spain. But it ain't over and, and we'll stay positive for Sunday. And what's it like just before like we go maybe into the team, but to to be calling the games when it's when it's the game is actually, you know, across the world in, in Indonesia, but you're there in, in Toronto. How, how difficult is that for you? And, and what's that like? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's one of those it is what it is kind of situations. So when I called the uh, America's qualifier in Mexico City in 2015, I wasn't there. When I called the Olympics from in Tokyo in 2021, I wasn't there. When I called the Victoria qualifier in 20, I wasn't there. I haven't actually been at a at a uh, a men's uh, at a Canada basketball game in person. I, I I don't know if it was 1994. I'm trying to think if I've actually been at one in person since then. I don't believe that I have. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the nature of the beast right now. And, and I will tell you, calling basketball games remotely is a hundred times easier than calling baseball games remotely. Mm. There have been maybe two times in the first four games where I've wondered a little bit about what's going on, but in general, um, basketball is much easier to do remotely. I mean, I would love to be there, but if I were there, I would miss three full weeks of Blue Jay games. So this is allowing me to only miss one week of Blue Jays. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just grateful that I, that again, that Sportsnet has allowed me to do both. And I don't know if you have gotten our, telecasts over there if you've watched them after the fact or anything like that alvin and i are having a great time and and um you know i've had a lot of people text me who maybe didn't know i was this into this and say man i've known you a long time i didn't know you were so into this and you sound very intense and very excited and i'm like this is kind of a big deal like this is if you have followed the program you know this this is a big deal and as we saw today and as you know as many of us know any one slip up can be fatal or near fatal in this kind of a tournament. So it's not like doing an 82 game NBA season or 162 game baseball season. Um, this every game, you know, with the possible exception of the Lebanon game, because that one seemed like a fairly easy win from from the get go. But every, France was intense. Latvia was intense today, obviously, you know, and Canada keeps falling behind in every, in those three yeah. games too. So yeah, it's, it's almost felt like every game is, is a gold medal game or game seven of a playoff series or something like that. Do, do you see any parallels between the Blue Jays season that seems a bit perilous and maybe the, the way that the, this uh, Canadian teams kind of turned for the, the worst just over the last yeah, it, It's funny. And again, it was just one game for Canada, right? Yeah. So we, I mean, we don't it's want to make too much of it, but at the same time, one game is a lot in the, in this tournament, as we just said. Um, I did an interview on the fan earlier today with Ben Ennis and, and that topic ca- kind of came up and I said, like, you should, you should do a poll. Uh, what do you think is, has a greater chance of happening? Canada qualifying for Paris or the Blue Jays making the postseason? Mm. Because there are some parallels. The talent is there, but they just can't do it the easy way. Either no. one of these. And yeah, you know what I was thinking though? I mean, let's pretend in an alternate universe 
that Canada had lost to France. And if Canada had lost to France in the first game, um, you know, I, I mean, we'd be down, but it, like it's France. And then say they had beaten Lebanon, Latvia, qualified for this and beaten Brazil. So they'd be three and one, the same as they are now. And they'd be in a must-win situation, same as they are now. Uh, maybe a little bit different because the win over Brazil would help you in this round, whereas the win mm -hmm. over France didn't help you, in this, you know, with tiebreakers and all that. Yeah. But to me, it's more of a perspective and momentum thing. They've won three out of four games. It's just the one they lost was the one that we all kind of assumed they were going to win. I, I don't know about you. Oh. I went into France thinking, Ooh, I don't know if they can do this. I went into Latvia thinking, don't take them lightly. This team is dangerous. I went into Brazil thinking they got this. I, I really did. I, I thought they had this one. I didn't think it would be pretty. I didn't think it would be a 30-point game. Um, but I also didn't think guys would miss as many shots as they did. Um, and that they were, you know, the physicality of the game and the pace of the game obviously is not what Canada wants. But they, I mean, they made a bit of an adjustment, took a 12-point lead. I mean, when it was 52-40, I was like, this is over. And then sure. it just, it, it wasn't. So yeah, nothing, nothing easy, nothing simple, nothing stress-free, but they still have a chance. Uh, they, if they, if they can beat Spain and they did it in a friendly in Spain, did, if yeah. they can beat Spain, they're in the quarters and they're still kicking. And, you know, you look across and you see, well, you, what did Puerto Rico do? What did the Dominican do? What did Brazil do in their game? Um, against Latvia, you know, there are five America's teams battling for two spots, but all Canada can control right now is Sunday. With that, just um, wh why do you think this program, it seems as though it's always hit a big hurdle, like each and every time. And maybe like I, I was talking about this um, just on the radio and stuff that every time they've, they've lost that big game, where it's unexpected against Venezuela or, or Czech Republic, they're out. But now, now they still have a chance, right? It's almost yeah. like that blip that they've always seemed to have was the the nail in the coffin, but now they still have a, a game to, to fight. Yeah, just the different formats of the tournaments, right? So the, um, I mean, you probably remember this, but a lot yeah. of people, people probably forget Venezuela was a semifinal in, in mm -hmm. Mexico City, but since the top two out of the Americas qualified for the Olympics, when that was the format, all they had to do was get to the final. And a lot of people probably forget they beat Venezuela by 20, like a week before they met them yeah. in the semis. But it, I, I guess there are some common themes between the losses. Um, you know, there, and, and I, I'm happy to be corrected if this is totally wrong, but to me, there are two countries in the world that sometimes lack the uh, the continuity within the program, the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. The U.S., as much as our talent has grown, the U.S. still has more talent than Canada does. So they are more likely to overcome it. They did not overcome it in China in 2019 in the last World Cup. They finished seventh. Like, they didn't even finish second. They finished seventh. Um, so the U.S. and Canada probably... Um, fight a little bit more. Can we get all the guys to come out? Does it mean as much to our guys as it does to people in other parts of the world? It's growing quickly in Canada. We know that. But if you are from uh, Serbia or Brazil um, or Turkey or, you know, just about anywhere else, 
the World Cup and international basketball has a greater place in your consciousness. It was a bigger part of your childhood than it was in Canada. I have friends who play basketball, who love basketball, who adore the Raptors, who I had to remind a week ago about the World Cup. It's still gaining mm -hmm. traction in Canada. So part of that is the program you know, at times has not been able to uh, get all the best players out. And at times they have not had the continuity and the culture and the cohesiveness. I think that's building. The other thing too is sometimes, and I think we saw it today, is that our players may not adapt sometimes as well as they need to, to another style of play, whether it's the style or the officiating or both. And it was mm -hmm. both today. Uh, although I think it was more style than officiating, to be honest with you. So, um, I thought at times some of some of Canada's players today looked a little bewildered, a little shocked, a little angry, uh, complaining a little bit. And, um, you know, again, if you've watched FIBA, this this is it. Right. It's mm -hmm. going to be different. And to me, that's one of the fascinating things about FIBA is that so many countries play so many different styles. It's not like an NBA game where a lot of teams are kind of running the same thing night after night after night. Um, it's, it's totally different. Um, I saw it on the women's side too, when I did the Olympics in, in 2021, how, you know, how different, uh, Croatia is from a Belgium is from a Japan or, or something like that. So, um, I love it, but it does come with frustration and, and you, you keep trying to say to people, it's not just about who's the most talented. It's yeah. not just about how many NBA players you have. Uh, like look at Australia, Australia is out and, and they have the NBA talent that, um, that Canada has the benefit for them is they're going to the Olympics because they're lucky enough to be from Oceania and uh, no disrespect to New Zealand, but that's a pretty easy uh, thing for, for Australia. So I, I think it's a number of different things. I had hoped Latvia was enough of a wake up call. Maybe that's the wrong term, but they got pushed by yeah. Latvia. Oh, I had yeah. hoped that was enough to make them say, okay, nothing easy. You got to dig deep every possession of every game, whatever comes your way. You got to fight through it, stay together. FIBA to me is is more of a mental test than a physical test sometimes. And um, hopefully Canada took another step forward and learned to, uh, from today to the point where they can beat Spain. Well, what would it mean? Because you, you address just how that there's so many people in Canada that are Raptors fans. Obviously they won the championship. That's they have such a big yeah. fan base now, but not Canada basketball fans and what would it mean to the program and, and maybe even to basketball in this country, if they are to make the Olympics, because do you feel it's yeah. going to be almost a, a culture shift in terms of how people view Canada, uh, the yeah. men's program? Yeah. And, and just speaking, cause we're talking specifically about the men's program, what well, the women's program has been great and they've got, has done, has been great and they've got very high hopes and, and justifiably. So for Paris on the men's side, um, the, the funny thing about the men's side for Canada basketball, and I'm sure you would agree, there are only two emotions. There is ecstasy and there's heartbreak. There's yeah. nothing in it, it, it's, it's funny, <laughs> you know? Dan, because I, I do post-game shows and uh, yeah. I had the same guy on and for France as I did for today. And I said, the, I, I said, I feel the exact opposite from, yeah. from against France. Where France, you just yeah. felt jubilation. I don't think, yeah. like, as, as Dan, was that like maybe the, the best win you've ever covered or, mm -hmm. or yeah. Yeah. No question. No question. Like e yeah. easily. I think, I mean, the, you know, the way they did it, the Americas in 2015 before they got beat by Venezuela, that they were rolling people. So that was great. Um, but France is France. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that was, I think that was a huge high point. 
But I don't know about you. I kept saying to people I know, hang on, hang on. <laughs> you know, it ain't over till it's over. Um, but I think it would mean a lot. And, you know, having the best placement they, they can get at the World Cup would be great. And it would help in future rankings and seedings and brackets and, and all that stuff. But I'm not thinking about 20, 26 or 7 or 8. I think, to be honest, and, and you would agree, I'm sure, most Canadians are thinking about Paris or thinking about 2024. Like if I said to you, would you rather them finish fifth at the World Cup and not qualify for the Olympics or seventh and qualify for the Olympics? That's an easy choice, yeah. right? The easy choice. Nice. Seventh and qualify. So if they could qualify, I think it would be huge because I think people would be talking about Canada basketball from now until the opening ceremonies. If they don't qualify, again, as you know, they've got to go to a last chance tournament in like whenever it is, late June or early yeah. July. It was in Canada last time. I don't think it'll be in Canada again. So are Shay and Jamal and Lou and Nikhil and Kelly and Dwight and are mm -hmm. they going to go play in Greece or Japan? Well, not Japan because they're in, you know, Greece or uh, China or, you know, heaven forbid somewhere in South of like another America's country, oh. probably not going to be another yeah. America. So now you're asking these guys to give up more time next summer than had they just qualified for the Olympics. You're probably asking another two, three, four weeks out of them for a chance to qualify. And um, could they do it? Yeah. Like, could, could they win? Yeah. They should have won the last one in Victoria, yeah. but Thomas Sadoransky went all Evan Fournier on them and, and you know, stepped up and had a great game and um, and, and they couldn't do it. So to me, it's, it's huge. They've got, you know, tw as of 24 hours ago, they had had months and months and months and months of wonderful momentum. They had overcome skepticism and angst and, is that guy really going to show up? And even Jamal Murray, you know, not playing. They had overcome all of that. Um, but this was a this was a very tough defeat. It, it, it's the wrong loss to the wrong country at the wrong time, right? That's it's just it's just everything that uh, makes all that old anxiety come back again. And uh, you know, thirty six hours from now, either they'll punch their way through it and and it'll be ecstasy again, or it's going to be a, a tough time. How how like is this almost a program defining game against Spain just in terms of it's it's winner go home for both teams yeah. uh, Spain's number one in the world I wouldn't say they've looked as like the the greatest here but yeah. there's still Spain they still have great coach um still know how to play together Canada played them in the friendly and as you mentioned they they barely they they won but they won in overtime it wasn't a resounding win so just like like how nervous are you how i mean i just uh um, you can hear in my voice i, I know because it, you know when you try not to go back well if they had beaten brazil then the, this is the situation they'd be in or you know well look at the draw the dominican got compared to the one canada got. like you can't you just can't there's no point you just make yourself crazy when you do that kind of stuff this would be a program defining win there's no credit of uh, no um, no doubt about that, even though, depending on what some of the other America's countries do, even beating Spain does not guarantee no. that they qualify for the Olympics. But what it means at the very least is they they live to see another day against either Slovenia or Germany. And even if they were to lose that, 
you still have games five, eight, six, seven, and then five, six, seven, eight. So if the Dominican or Puerto Rico or somebody is still going, you hope that you can settle it on the court. And that's all you really want. Like if, if Canada plays the Dominican or plays Puerto Rico for a winner take all game and they lose, then Mm. they weren't, you know, then they, they, they weren't good enough, but now they, you know, they got to beat Spain and, 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 and see what happens um, after that. I, I am nervous. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on these players, and I hope they can go out and play with a free mind. On the other hand, as I said earlier today, I've done, this is my, I did two radio hits and now oh. this podcast. As, as oh. I said on both of the radio hits, they're talking about the exact same stuff on radio in Barcelona right now. Like they're not, they're not mm-hmm. celebrating either. All they had to do, well, all they had to do was beat Latvia. They couldn't do it. So there's as much angst and stress in Spain, I would think, right now as there is in Canada because Spain is such a proud basketball nation. And as you mentioned, although FIBA rankings are funny, but they are the number one ranked Mm -hmm. nation in the world right now. But it's not like there's an underdog here. And it's not like anybody's – like you will not hear me say Sunday morning – so-and-so is playing with house money. That ain't a thing. There's pressure on on both coaching staffs and both teams um, to play their best. I just hope that, you know, Canada's not, you know, fighting up, swimming upstream. They're down 13 to four. Like, yeah. you know, the slow stuff. They've, in all of their meaningful games, leaving Lebanon out of it because that was a different situation, they've been down quite a bit early. Um Somehow they got to find a way to get out and run. You know, Spain's going to watch the tape of the Brazil game, right? And Spain's got experience and size and good point guard play. Um, you know, but uh, we'll see. Guys are going to shoot better too. I can't imagine Nikhil yeah. Alexander Walker. You know, he's not going to go one for eight from three. Kelly Olenek is not going to go two for eight from the floor. Like those things just don't happen. R.J. Barrett's kind of the one wild card. You know, he can be 13 for 14 as he was in a friendly, and and he can have cold days as he's had a couple um, in this tournament. But I, I got to believe they're going to shoot the ball better, and they got to come. They made this huge commitment. Give it your give it your all for 40 minutes and see what happens. What what's it like to be be um, you know doing the call for when when Shea gets hot uh, in some of these games? It's cool because sometimes, you know, doing them with Alvin Williams, who played in the NBA and, and you know, has played against the best players in the world. Sometimes you just give the ball to the best guy and you say, go. And it worked at times today, but it didn't work like it did against France and Latvia, I think, because of the physical nature of the game, too. So I think it's really cool when a Luca or a Shea or whatever, an Anthony Edwards, maybe he's starting to get to that level when the best player just says, boys, I got you. That's great. But you can't depend on that. Yeah. And that's a lot to put on one guy's shoulders. And I think it's physically demanding. I thought I thought Shade today, because of the physical nature of the game, and I think I said it once on the air, you know, every possession's got to feel like two. You know, yeah. I, I mean, he's got to bang his way through three people to get into the paint. And nobody's better at getting into the paint normally than than he is. So it's really good. But I I, I think if they're going to win, it has to be – a team effort like they've got their top seven the the, the nba guys mm-hmm. and they've got good minutes out of melvin edgem and phil scrub those guys gave him great minutes against latvia so i think it's got to be not one and not three it's got to be six or seven or eight or nine who all play well at both ends of the floor 
um, in order to beat Spain. Spain almost feels like a team with interchangeable parts sometimes. Yes. They're deep. They may, they don't have the superstar power they've had, but they're deep and experienced and well-coached and all, all of that stuff. So um, I think Canada is going to have to have good shot selection, really, you know, move the ball. Like, like, yeah. and they're obviously they're capable of that. Getting out in transition is a bonus. I'm sure Spain is going to do everything they can to keep Canada from getting out in transition. You know, if Spain wins the opening tip and they run the shot clock down to two on the first possession of the game, we're going to know what the game plan is, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be like Brazil. Shorten the game, fewer possessions, turn it into a street fight. Now, Spain isn't quite like that normally. They have their own style and it's not as physical as Brazil. So it'll be interesting to me if Spain says, we're going to play like us, or if they say, we're going to play the way we think it's hard for you guys. So I think we'll find out pretty early. Yeah, no, that that's interesting. I I, I don't think they're maybe as athletic as um, Brazil, and then that might help a guy like RJ Barrett get to the rim, or um, yeah. just even in transition where they can't uh, recover as quickly as maybe um, Brazil. But they're probably going to be a better offensive team as Brazil didn't really score that well uh, yeah. today. Like Canada's yeah. defense was fine. I mean, they maybe gave yeah. up a too, a bit too many offensive rebounds, but. Um, that's the nice thing. Like I, I'm trying to be positive here to some extent. And um, yeah. uh, well, I'll give you a couple of things I'm looking for too. So Kyle yeah. Alexander didn't play in this game. Um, you know, so Canada has Olenek and Powell. Brazil had Brazil had a lot of size. Um, Caboclo and Diaz and Suarez are all at least six ten. I think six eleven, and they are all burly, thick, strong guys. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Um, Jordy Fernandez just stayed with Olenek and uh, Powell. And then sometimes Dylan Brooks would play a small ball for a little bit. Melvin Edgem played a small ball for then Brooks got in foul trouble, which is another key. Like you need 30 minutes out of Dylan Brooks, even if he doesn't score a point, you need 30 minutes out of, out of Dylan Brooks. And, and there were times, as you said, they got pushed around under their own basket and, and Brazil uh, got a lot of offensive rebounds. I wonder if there's some minutes for Kyle Alexander, just to give him another six ten guy, who can, well, he can get on the offensive glass great, too. He's a great offensive green, but just to give him a little bit more size. And, and I don't think, as talented as Spain is, I don't think they have a guy who can break you down off the dribble like Iago Santos, Iago Santos can. Um, I mean, he had 10 assists in the game, mm -hmm. and then he had the two baskets of the game at the end. And as great as Dort is, as great as Brooks is, even Alexander Walker, Santos is just fat. He's too fast. He can... Yeah. You know, the little 5'10 guy can get by the 6'5 guy most of the time. So I don't think Spain will break Canada down off the dribble from the point guard position as much as Brazil did. Um, and, you know, the best thing the best thing Canada do can do is run. And the way to run is force a miss and get the defensive rebound. It's hard to take the ball out of the basket and run. So force a miss, get the rebound, and then have, you know, fill the lanes and Let's see RJ get a couple of dunks and get all fired up and see what happens. Is is that maybe the the X factor for this team in a way, just that if RJ has a good game, they're pretty unbeatable. And if yeah, you know shows today where he, he really he didn't make a field he made one shot at the end, but he didn't have yeah. a field goal essentially in a meaningful point in the game uh, all game. Yeah, he's up there because he is streaky. Um and again he went thirteen for fourteen, right? In yeah, one of the Yep. And uh, he did have 38 points and 13 rebounds leading Canada to a world championship at the U19 tournament a few years ago. 
it's in there. It's, it's just, he is streaky and, you know, his shot comes and goes, his free throws come and go too. Right. And, and I think, you know, his go-to as you know, is I'm going to try to get to the rim and Brazil is so big and so physical. They, they made that hard for him. I, I do want to say a few times he kind of got a little bit inside and then dished and facilitated. Mm-hmm. And, and he can do that too, because he draws so much attention, but then you got to knock down the shots. So I hope Nikhil Alexander Walker's confidence is not shaken. He was great in the three games in Victoria, seven almost 17 points per game. He was great against France and Lebanon and Latvia, four threes in each of them. And then unfortunately he went one for eight today from three. If he goes three for eight, we might have been talking about an overtime win for Canada, and they're they're off to the races. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't back away from shot. We all knew going into this tournament when the roster was finalized, three-point shooting could be a thing. And we all know they went 18 for 30 against Lebanon, and that's great, and they put up great numbers. Um, but they're, they don't have two or three, you know, knockdown shooters. They have some good shooters, and they have some okay shooters. But to me... More than shooting, they're a better transition team. They're a better defensive team. Like there are other things they do better than shooting. And even if you're a good shooting team, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the basket. And in a seven-game series, you can overcome that. But in this kind of a tournament, when the three ball is not going in, you got to find other ways to score. So um, I imagine they will shoot the ball better against Spain. I imagine the style will be a little bit more uh, to their liking. And as I said, I, I think it's more of a mental battle at this point. Um, you know, don't stop believing in yourselves. You're the same group that beat France by 30. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in there. Uh, they just have to play a complete 40 minutes at both ends of the floor. Um, I do feel this. If both teams played the best they're capable of playing, I think Canada wins. I, I think their ceiling is a little bit higher. I think Spain is more likely to be consistently solid. So, but you know, if, if both teams play really well, I think Canada wins. Yeah, no. And, and with that, I mean, at the same time, Canada probably couldn't have played any worse than they did today and they barely lost. And also yeah. the, the way they shot 27%, I think that was the, the final percentage from three. Um, I, I feel as though that's probably an off, you know, they, they missed a lot of threes wide open, a lot of in and outs, just felt the the ball just could not get in there, um, especially in that second yeah. half. So, yeah. um, anyways, uh, I before I let you go, Dan, just um, maybe what are your thoughts on on Jordy Fernandez so far as coach, and and maybe what have you kind of gleaned from him? I know you had to sit down with him in in Toronto when the the yeah. the first, I guess, it's like the first roster was announced. But uh, yeah, just tell me a little bit about what you you you've thought of Jordy. Right. I, I think he's great. I mean, again, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage since the tournament started because I am uh, doing this from afar. You have been around him more mm-hmm. than I have been around him, obviously. But, um, you know, we see the huddles uh, a lot of the time. And I thought the huddles uh, against France were great. Absolutely great. And they've become legendary on Twitter. Right. Yes. So, um you know, taking over a program, it's one thing if you take over a program with low expectations and there's patience and time to build and any step forward is good. That's not where this program is or was when he took it over. It still is. Um, you know, th- there was a lot of pressure on him, even if he wasn't a household name in Canada. I was at the first practice. They were nice enough to me because I had Blue Jays games the other days. The only one I could make was the first day. And they said, OK, come on. And I just sat in the corner by myself. 
And that was the first day. And he was like, okay, Jamal, like Jamal Murray was still there. Jamal, you start here. Shay, you go there. RJ, you go here. Dwight, you go there. We'll call this that. And we'll call this play. And you, and, and he talked about space and pace. And it, like, he was just put, it was day one. And it wasn't that long ago. And so I think they have put in a lot of stuff. I think, um, and, and I think they respect him. I do. Uh, it, it's he's never been an NBA head coach. He's been an NBA assistant and a and a FIBA assistant or an associate head coach at both levels, obviously, and a G League head coach. But I I think the France game was enough for everybody to buy in, and and I think they still believe that. I think this is a tight unit. Um, so I, I've been I've been very impressed. He's a very soft spoken guy in person, but when he needs to have his voice heard, as we have heard during FIBA huddles, he will have. His mm -hmm. voice heard. I, I think he, you know, his substitution patterns have been different in every game, which I think is reflective of a coach who can make adjustments and understands, hey, this might be a Zach Eady day. This might not. This might be a Phil Scrub day. This might not. So um, I think he's doing a lot of good things. I think his biggest battle in the next 36 hours is to is to build up their confidence. He got into them pretty good after the after this game today. He had some pointed comments about what needs to be better. Um, and I give him credit for feeling sure enough about himself that he did that at this early stage of his coaching tenure with the program. So I like him a lot. I think he's doing a lot of good things. And uh, I bet you at practice tomorrow, he builds them back up and, and uh, convinces them they can win this game if they just do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, it'll be today uh, here in Jakarta time as I'm, I'm recording in the morning, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what the vibe and and really what the players are like the next 36 hours, as you said, ahead of yeah. uh, the biggest game in a weird way. I, I, I think maybe in the program's history since 2000, just because we actually know it's the biggest game almost. Right. Because a well, lot I'll of tell you this, not only the biggest game in the program's history, but for these individual players, um, I, I, I think making a free throw at the end of a game, you know, at the end of a FIBA game, when it's a one point game is as big or bigger as just, just about any shot you'll ever take in your life. Now, maybe not the NBA finals, which Jamal Murray has been through, but this is a different kind of pressure. And for a lot of these players, they're experiencing it for the first time. You know, if, if you play for OKC or Utah or Minnesota, you know, you got a lot of fans, but you're playing for a country here. And, and these guys are well aware people are watching in Victoria and people are watching in St. John's and, and everywhere in between. So um, I think it's a different kind of pressure, but hopefully, you know, you just wash today off or the, you, you know, you wash this game off. You just, they, they learned a lot today. It wasn't, it, it was a painful lesson. There were some painful lessons in this game, but um, you know, how many FIBA tournaments, never mind baseball, hockey, basketball playoff years, have seen a team get down early NCAA tournaments. How many times does a team win the championship? And sometimes their toughest game is the round of 32. They barely escape. And then they, you know, they come together and they get better and better and better. Mm -hmm. uh, we shouldn't give up. Yeah, they, no, no. They, that's it, interesting that you it's said a 50, 50 that. shot. Yeah. You, it's interesting you talked about the free throws because I think I tweeted when Lou Dort had his free throws late in the game that it was the biggest free throws of his career just because sure. he's never – um been in in that kind of moment so dan before i let you go uh what's your prediction uh does canada beat spain does canada make the olympics um you can go with your heart you can go with your your mind or your head um but just tell us what what you think happens in the end 
I'm going to disappoint you. I don't do predictions. Uh, okay. On games I'm calling. So okay, okay. So uh, my bad. I didn't know. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah. All I want to see, uh, I want to see two things. I want to see you know effort as great as it can be, tremendous effort. That goes without saying. Um, and I want to see the ball move a lot. I really want to see drive and kick and reverse second side, third side. Um, you know, let's see guys come in on the, on the offensive glass and, and follow up a miss. And uh, I, I, I don't want to see anything tentative. I, I just want to see effort and togetherness. And, and if they can do, do those things at, at uh, the top level they're capable of, I, I think they will win. I just hope it's there. Yeah, no, uh, I, I totally agree. I feel if they just have a good start and it's, it, it just if they can just have a good start and they're not down 10 early i feel really mm-hmm. good about them just their, their talent uh rising to the top because the uh, to to be honest even as as good as spain is i, I think canada really has been showed that they can be much better than whatever level right. spain can can get to right. um but if the game gets muddied and it's more like brazil and it's a, a rock fight then uh all my you know ghosts of 2015 and 2021 that really appeared later in in this game today or, or yesterday yeah. um well uh it's all about perspective right like uh, spain can say well how good could they be they lost to brazil and we beat brazil by 18 mm-hmm. and canada can say well how good can they be they lost to latvia and we beat latvia by 26 like it's the circular nature of, yeah. of fibo like so for both of these teams, there are reasons to be anxious, but for both of these teams, there are reasons um, to be confident. Canada does have the better talent, not by that much, I don't think, but they do have um, the better talent. I think Spain's depth is a little bit better. But um, yeah, I think if Canada gets off to a good start, and just I just want to see them run it. I want to see yeah, me too. That's... Rebound, an outlet, and a and a long pass and a dunk. That's you know if we see that a few times, that's a really good sign. Yeah, it, it, that's interesting because every time Canada gets out in transition, everything else seems to to work out of it. Everyone gets more comfortable. Everyone shoots better. Um, I think that's why they've been so good in those third quarters, uh, although not not today. But they didn't really get in transition today. So, yeah. um, Dan, thanks so much. Uh, what will you do if they if you if they make it to the Olympics? Do you have a celebration planned? Is this is this like nineteen sixty nine when <laughs> when the, the Lakers have the the balloons coming down and and then uh, I don't know if you know that reference, but um, uh, just what what do you have planned if if they are able to to win? well. Maybe I'll I'll find room back here somewhere. I'll move my Packer helmet, and maybe uh, you'll see a little more red and white uh, back there. But um, I, I will be very very excited. Um, yeah. I, I definitely will. I haven't thought about a celebration, so um, you know who knows what the schedule would be like. Even if they win, um, who they would play next, and then um, then what happens after that? Win or lose, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So. Um, I, I guess I'll go cliche on you and say I'm just taking it one game at a time. Right now, I've got some Spain prep to do on Saturday, uh, our time over here. Got an okay. early alarm set for Sunday, and uh, let, let's we'll figure it out by noon Eastern on Sunday. We'll have a lot more information one way or another. Yeah, no, either I will be um, just almost on the verge of tears in a bad way or i'll be uh ecstatic and and maybe crying of with tears of joy because there is a chance to be very very glass half 
full that uh, Canada qualifies on on Sunday. There is there is actually a chance to qualify for the Olympics. Um, yeah. um, and it's it's not it's not too too far fetched. Um, but still probably unlikely. But there is a scenario, so maybe it's clinching day two. So uh, thanks again, Dan. I really really appreciate this. Um, love your calls for for Canada basketball and obviously the Jays. And I really appreciate you taking this time. Uh, when it, it's uh, definitely uh, such a busy time for you. So thanks again, Dan. I really appreciate it. You got it. Uh, keep up the good work and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Hope it goes well. Thanks, Dan.